Welcome to CBO Speaks, the official podcast of the National Association of College and University Business Officers. I'm President and CEO Susan Wheeler Johnston, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in today. Our mission for this podcast is to ask chief business officers to reflect on their careers, share personal examples of the ways they have navigated challenging situations, and offer some lessons that they've learned from their experience as a CBO. You can find resources for today's episode, as well as a wide variety of research and tools at nakubo.org. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to CPO Speaks. Thanks so much for joining us. My name is Megan Strand, your host, and I'm excited to be joined today by Teresa Constantinidis, Senior Vice President for Finance and Administration at the University of New Mexico. Welcome, Teresa. Hi, Megan. It's so great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for your time today. Well, we are in a crazy time of the world right now, and it seems like we're all learning a little bit about flexibility so far in 2020. If you could go back to this time last year and teach yourself one thing, what would that thing be? Well, a year ago, really, no one was anticipating the impact of the coronavirus on our institutions, not on the institutions, the nations, even the world. So I think it won't be surprising to hear that if I could go back in time, I'd study all of our emergency preparedness policies and procedures at the university and make sure that they were designed to support our institutions and our people in a time of extended crisis. You know, we drafted them for short-term emergencies, things like a fire, a flood, tornado, an earthquake. But this extended period of remote work is not at all what we were imagining when we wrote those policies down. I'm sure not. Um, And as as you've started reviewing those policies, uh, what are things that you would specifically change about them? Well, you know, actually, I wouldn't necessarily change them beyond making sure that they were written in a way that we could, you know, that would take more time or understand that it would take us time to get back into full operations again. We're still trying to figure out how it might work to be essentially not on our campuses and doing remote work for months at a time. In the last couple of months alone, what would you say is one noticeable way that you have changed the way that you lead as a CBO? Outside of the fact that you're doing it from your living room or wherever you are. Right <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm in a spare bedroom right now. But I think that um, if I had to lean, say that I was um, changing or how I had changed over the last a few months, I've had to lean into being a better leader. Uh, and in one specific way, good leaders communicate a lot. Mm. I have really been working on over-communicating during this time. Everyone needs to understand what is going on, why we are doing things, what we do know, what we don't know, and how we plan to get answers. So I have really been trying to communicate as much as possible with my team about everything that I know. Um, Another way I've changed is that I've also tried to be overly grateful In every single communication I make, I try to start out by expressing gratitude for something, some action, something that's been going on. And I try to end by expressing gratitude because in this time when we aren't together in person, it's not easy to naturally express to our people how much we appreciate their contributions. So I try to make it absolutely obvious how much I appreciate the work of the team. Um, I want to switch gears a little bit. We wanted to start out talking about the coronavirus, but we definitely don't want the whole thing to be about coronavirus because this is an episode about you and about your tenure as a CBO. So I'm going to switch gears just a little bit. Um, 
thinking about, and, and you can include the current situation in this answer if you would like, but thinking about um, how current CBOs can best prepare or develop the next generation of higher education leadership, um, what 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 do you think those best ways would be? And especially considering this growing desire in the industry to diversify the field of leadership. Well, you know, one of the exercises that our president assigned to us during the COVID-19 crisis was to actually identify three levels of succession. Mm. So if we couldn't make it to work, who were the next three people in line to take over our job duties? Wow. Now, in normal times, you know, picking one obvious successor is important, and we all try to do that. But actually going down three levels mm. really causes you to think through things very seriously. Um, it helps you to think about individual strengths. It's an opportunity to ask yourself what you could do to help elevate the people on your list to the next level. And one thing you can pay attention to, and I really did this time, is if you go through this exercise with your leadership team and ask each of them to do the same, if there's no diversity in all its various forms, gender, ethnicity, sexual orientation, educational or professional background, even personality characteristics, it really tells you you have some work to do in your organization to find out why there isn't diversity and make sure you are doing the kinds of things you need to do to promote an inclusive workplace. It's really an opportunity for doing an environmental scan. So listen to your community and then make a plan to move forward. What a great exercise. That's a very practical way to uh, get down to brass tacks very quickly. Let's talk a little bit now, not only to listeners who are already CBOs, but maybe listeners that are considering a role of CBO as their next career move. What would you say, Teresa, are the top three skills or attributes that are most critical for CBO in today's higher education landscape? So first off, I'd say to them, great, do it. It's a wonderful job. <laughs> and when I, when I do think about leadership, I always go back to that classic textbook called Leadership. It was written by Peter Northouse at Michigan State University a few years back. And he described a handful of key leadership traits that he identified as being very common amongst great leaders over the years. So thinking about that list, the three that I would say are most crucial to a CBO in today's higher education landscape would be integrity, intelligence, and determination, which is that willingness to follow through and get things done. And the good news in all three is that you can personally develop in all three areas. Speaking of developing, um, do you personally have any stories that stand out when you think about maybe how you developed some of those skills over the course of your career? And I would also add communication skills because that was one that you tacked on earlier. Yeah. So intelligence is one of the things that we can all work on. Um, I One of the ways that I do try to develop myself is I try to read a business book or developmental book of some kind every month. I use a to-do list app on my phone that lets me schedule tasks into the future. So I have it ping me with a reminder once a month. So you, you do need to be a little bit careful about that. Um, for a while, I was downloading business audiobooks from the local public library and listening to them during my commute. And I can recall one book that recommended that I buy a brand new tie for important business meetings, just like <laughs> I'm for important college exams. And it also suggested some job, good job interview questions that were really personally invasive and sounded to me somewhat illegal. So I went home and checked. <laughs> the copyright date on that book was 1956. So, so be a little careful on that. 
I still, you get lots of uh, good tips and ideas. And on integrity, which is probably the biggie in terms of uh, the most important leadership skill of all, you know, there's that old adage that you shouldn't do or say anything you wouldn't want published in the newspaper. Um, I've been very fortunate to always have someone in my life at work um, or at home whom I could bounce ideas off of and make sure I'm being as honest and above board as possible. So whenever I'm hesitant about taking any action, well, if, if I'm hesitant, that's a good sign that I probably should question it. But I often take those ideas or actions to people and just talk them through to make sure that I have a good sense of what is right and what is wrong. Those are great answers. And again, very practical. Thank you. In every higher education institution, the role of CBO is a little bit unique. So could you tell us, Teresa, what makes you your role at um, University of New Mexico special or different from those at maybe other institutions? I'm happy to. You know, I'm really fortunate to be serving. Um, I've been at, for the last nine months at the University of New Mexico, and it's really an amazing institution. And I have a wonderful leader in President Garnet Stokes. You know, I think one of the things that makes my role different than other CBOs is that President Stokes herself is relatively new, and she also just hired five new leaders into key campus roles, all at pretty much the same time. We're talking provost, the vice president for equity and inclusion, our director of enrollment and fundraising. Um, one of the special things about the people of New Mexico is that they are a naturally warm, welcoming, and supportive group. So, our newness coming, you know, new to New Mexico seems really balanced by this willingness to hear our new ideas. And um, there's this strong support that really people want me to be successful. So I think we all want New Mexico to be an outstanding place. So it's a very gratifying and exciting place to be. It sounds very quite lovely. And the weather there, you know, you can't beat it. So <laughs> yes, it is great. It is beautiful. Okay. Now the most fun question of the show that everyone loves to answer. Thinking back on your career, Teresa, would you tell us what you would consider to be your most fabulous failure and maybe something you learned from that experience? Yes. I, I love the way you characterize this as my biggest oops <laughs> is my most fabulous Fabulous failure. So it was indeed fabulous. So it always, this pops right into my mind. I made a big mistake once. Um, I asked a large search committee to give me their rank ordered recommendations for a key campus position that we were hiring. You know, I was moving quickly. And when they offered to do that for me, I didn't even think it through. I just um, said, sure, that sounds great. Well, clearly the committee expected me to hire their top choice. And they worked very hard to give me a good recommendation. But after I conducted in my own personal interviews of the finalists, I selected the committee's second choice. Now, as you might imagine, it did not go over well at all. It was mm. a very large committee. And so what I did, I ended up meeting one-on-one -on -one with every single member in person to listen to their concerns and explain my thinking. Now, at the end of the day, I think those meetings were very informative for me. I, I learned a lot, and I, I believe I made the right decision, and I know that the committee members ultimately forgave me for disagreeing with them, but really my lesson was to slow down and think things like this through carefully, or at least I try to, I try to do so. That's a great story. And uh, it, you probably had to invest a little bit extra time sitting down with each member, but I'm sure it was well worth it. It was. I, at the end of the day, I was glad I did it. Um, but I, I would have preferred avoiding the big oops um, when I, I, <laughs> I made the decision that I did. Don't we all? Don't we all? Well, thank you so, so much, Teresa, for just sharing a little bit of your insight and experience with our listeners today. 
It has been my pleasure. I'm always happy to support Nakubo, everything that, that um, the organization does. So thank you so much for having me. You can find out more about Teresa and today's episode by visiting the education section, then click podcasts of nakubo.org. Make sure you subscribe to CBO Speaks in Apple Podcasts so that you'll get the latest episodes instantly. And on behalf of Teresa and myself, I'd like to thank you so much for joining us for this episode of CBO Speaks.